everybody, and welcome to the Boy Hattie Podcast. Uh, uh, we're here to talk to y'all about some pop culture garbage. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. And uh, Bill, what were you up to this week, my friend? Uh, literally right before we started the podcast, I finished the Robin Hood episode of Doctor Who that just came out. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? There yeah. was a Robin Hood episode of Doctor Who? The Doctor is very, he's very suspicious of Robin Hood because he knows that Robin Hood is a legend, not necessarily an actual person. And so he spends the whole episode trying to disprove Robin Hood and angry at Robin Hood for existing. Because this version of Robin Hood is very Errol Flynnist, where he's constantly just laughing at everything. He's very dashing and daring. Oh and the Doctor just god. wants to punch him in the face. I have a knee-jerk reaction against blonde Robins. It's kind of like so, a red-headed Robin Hood guy. He's 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 got flaxen hair, Bill. I'm, well, no, I'm that's da- the whole down. point of his like his Robin Hood and his Merry Men are like the cartoon stereotype, and the do- yeah. Doctor realizes that like that never existed. So that's kind of like the emotional thrust for the Doctor in that episode is the yeah. Doctor being like, "You guys aren't real. How can you be real? This is all bullshit. What's wrong with you guys? Stop laughing at everything. Stop yeah. being so jaunty. You guys are ridiculous. Where did you come from? Yeah. And so trying to figure out where these guys came from and everything is. Of yeah, course, I do a Google. A I did a Google image search for Doctor Who Robin Hood, and one of the first results is fan art of the Doctor, and I'm presuming Clara dressed like a, a medieval lady. Oh yeah, no, she to... comes out. She specifically requested they go meet Robin Hood, and she shows up. She actually goes into like the uh, the TARDIS wardrobe and gets like a Maid Marian outfit. But the first result is fan art of the two of them meeting Hawkeye. So thank you, Internet. Thank <laughs> you the for Avengers? being the Internet. Yeah. Jesus. Is it Jerry Renner Hawkeye, not just like Matt Fraction oh, yeah. Hawkeye? Oh, oh okay, of course, okay, yeah. of course. It is. I don't know. You know, I, you know. Actually, the Doctor's new companion should, uh, when Clara leaves, it should be Pizza Dog. There we go. I'm down with that. I'd love to see that couple. Anyway, so yeah, that was a cute episode. I'm glad it was cute. It's Peter Capaldi. You know, it can't be that bad. I mean, he's very, especially when he's, uh, when you got super grumpy uh, Peter Capaldi fighting, not fighting, but kind of just being agitated with super heroic, happy Robin Hood. It's just, mm-hmm. it's amusing. It's cute. Anyway. So, yeah, what have you been up to? I've been playing so much Hotful Boyfriend, it's not even funny. Uh, it came out this week. I already have seven hours of it on Steam. Uh, Hotful Boyfriend just came out. It is a penguin, or not penguin, excuse me, that's my that's my deal, the DLC, I'm sure. Uh, it is a pigeon dating <laughs> sim. Is it specifically just pigeons, not like a wider variety of birds? I think, no, you meet a sparrow. And you meet a budgie, and yeah, so it's not technically pure pigeons. <laughs> so but... this is just a dating sim, except the people that you're dating are just birds. Is that the joke? Do they all have careers them, and stuff. When you f- first meet them, they uh, you can't you have the option of seeing a, a, p- a portrait of them in human form as well when you first meet them to give you some context for them. Is it like yeah, an anime portrait or a natural photograph? To this exactly. Is it okay for me to want to fuck this pigeon? Let's find out. Uh, the uh, the it came out in like 2011 in Japan, and it's a this is a translation that Devolver Digital just published mm-hmm. uh, in in English. Yeah, because I had never heard about this game until this week. Well, I had heard about it just because it's always been a joke. It's like yeah, there's this pigeon dating sim even, uh, and it kind of made the rounds on game media a couple of years ago. But the thing is, is that uh, it's it's a spoof. Needless to say, it is a spoof of dating sims as a genre, which means that they kind of take those tropes and take them to like the nth degree. But uh, I gotta say, I've gotten a number of endings now, and it's pretty delightful how deliberately dark and weird they take some of these tropes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Do you have, like, 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 like a super dark, surly boyfriend pigeons and stuff like that? Do you have, like, a wide variety of personalities and stuff? I'll, 
I really, I can't say anything without spoiling it. Let me just say that the pigeons do not always go in the most expected places. Uh, do you have abusive boyfriend pigeons? No. Oh, so, okay, so are you always playing as a woman trying to date boy pigeons, or what's the, the gender the thing The context here? of this game is that you are an adult, you, excuse me, you're a 16-year-old human female. Yeah. You live in a cave, and you attend school, you're the only human at St. Pigeonations, a school of the pigeon for the pigeon by the pigeon. So uh, does anyone else comment on the fact that you're you're the the only non bird in this school? It's people um like people are they lunch tables or do you just go like go pecking on the ground on your hands and knees? It's not clear crumbs? if this game is I, I haven't gotten all the endings yet. It's not clear if this game is post apocalyptic or what but it is, they are birds interacting with human, like, scenarios and human places. And, uh, it's, 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 it's special times. But, uh, the, the best part is that, um, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, a, it's a visual novel, so it's, if, for y'all who have not played them, they're pretty uniformly terrible just because they're essentially choose-your-own-adventure sort of things, uh-huh. and where they're just arbitrarily bar- branching paths, and replaying them can get very repetitive because it's the same thing until arbitrarily you Y off, and it's hard to, it's not necessarily fun, per se, but, uh, you but know, you spent seven hours but I spent seven it. hours playing it. It's, it's, they're very, it's a very strange genre, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it, I gotta say. So do you ever actually get to see your own character? No. Oh, no. Oh, okay. The whole, usually with visual novels, you're not, you're not playing up. See, that's, yeah, I'm not used to this kind of stuff, so, so this is essentially the same format as, like, Hate Plus or something like that, but it's just dating sim where it's it's mostly text with just a couple pictures just thrown in. The nature of dating sims are that it's like just entirely dialogue based. Usually, you play a cipher, mm-hmm. and you the only sense of who you are you get from your interactions with other people. Yeah, the choices you make, dialogue conversation choices, right? But I mean, you usually yeah. don't get to see yourself. Like you are you are literally a cipher, and you see it's mostly reading a bunch of stuff. There's really basic backgrounds, and then you see um, portraits of. Uh, all the characters that you're talking to. Oh, okay. So it's you know, it's a very special game. I'll just say that. But yeah, it's it's enjoyable. It's worth ten dollars if you like it. It's only ten bucks. That's a, you know what? Actually, I should, oh, that's all I knew it was ten bucks because I actually went to Steam. I almost bought it last night just to you, test it you out. You would before. not like. I, I don't know. Maybe you'd like have to full boyfriend. I've seen it's the pictures. Like, spreadsheets. <laughs> It's like it's like you're just entering random formulas to see if you get a different result. <laughs> no, but that sounds fucking hilarious. Just, I would. Uh, that's one of those games where I'd be willing to throw ten bucks at the developer just for having brought. Even if I never played it, I would gladly donate ten bucks to that cause. Exactly. That's such it's a ridiculous sort of thing video where game. I'm glad it exists. Yeah, because I almost I almost threw it down for that and uh, the Gang Beasts game that's being published by Double Fine. Yeah. Which I didn't realize what that was. I'd actually seen uh, Giant Bomb had actually done a demonstration of an early version of that game like six months ago. And I didn't realize. Have you seen what the Gang Beast game is supposed to be? Like the, your no. little. I heard that it's like a beat em up and I kind of lost interest in it. No, it's fucking it. hilarious. Imagine it's a, a beat em up slash wrestling game. But you gotta imagine if it's published by Double Fine, it's gonna be super ridiculous. So instead of being a big macho uh, fighting game or anything like that, you play as like a little. almost like little potato sack people with tiny little limbs. Mm-hmm. Like that can barely grab or reach or grab like grab on anything like that, and they're all very colorful and almost like they almost look like little claymation creatures that are just uh-huh. kind of like barely kind of like can grab onto other people and throw them around and stuff. Yeah. And 
Um, yeah, like the first uh, stage you start off on, you're not, you're actually in a like little wrestling ring, and the way you knock out other people is by throwing them out of the ring. But then uh, the next stage is like I think you spawn on top of two giant trucks that are racing down this highway. Okay. So of course, if you fall off, you lose, or you might get thrown off a truck. Right. There's another stage where uh, you're fighting on top of a pair of window washing. Uh, little, little, like, little, like, platforms that are suspended, like, you know, like, 50 stories off the ground, and of course, you know, like, you can actually cut the wire suspending the platforms, and, but yeah, yeah. everyone's, like, the controls sound like they're intentionally terrible, so you, it, you have a hard time knowing what you're doing, so it's very clumsy, but it's supposed to be just a fun party game. I think you can play up to eight people just fighting each other at once, and the yeah. idea is that you have to either knock someone out of the ring or kill them by, like, you know, throwing them, throwing them off a building or, like, you know, off a truck or Video something games. like that, but, yeah, the so I guess now that it's being picked up by Double Fine, before it was just a bunch of little claymation kind of vaguely humanoid potato sack people, but now that uh, it's being published by Double Fine, now you can put like dress your uh, people in little costumes. So yeah. you can have like a chicken guy fighting a little like a little alligator guy or a guy with a little fez. It yeah. looks fucking cute as hell. <laughs> I, and I just realized last night when I was looking at it on Steam, it's actually out for the Mac. And Annie and I only have Macs right now. Oh no, you have a Chromebook. So uh, I well, guess you do I technically have a build, PC. That means I can only play games that are Chrome apps. I know exactly, but still, technically a robust. PC. But what I want to do, it's only a multiplayer game though. There's no single player campaign or anything like that. Oh well, sure, it's, but a, it's a I'm seriously tempted. Well, I was already thinking about buying another uh, PlayStation Four controller for Destiny, and I was like, well, if I get that, then I have two controllers I can attach to my Mac and play and force people to play. Gang Beast with me, and if I can uh, coerce other people to bring extra controllers, maybe you can have a Gang Beast party at my house or something like that. Oh, but that's pretty adorable. That's my Ultimate Fantasy. Oh, especially there's a new Godzilla. One of my favorite Godzilla movies is coming out on Blu-ray this week, and I'm contemplating next weekend having people over to watch that Godzilla movie, and then uh, we can play Gang Beast afterwards. Yeah. I don't know if I'm actually going to do that, but it's just an uh, idea I had in my head last night. It would be a great adorable. way to spend a Saturday night. Um, anyway. So. There are worse ways to spend a Saturday night, I'll tell no, you that. No, well, yeah, you can talk with the... Hato... Is... It's a Hato... Hato... Hato full boyfriend. Hato full boyfriend. It's a gorgeous thing, and I'm enjoying it very much. It's the biggest, dorkiest mess. Who's been your favorite boyfriend so far? It's really... There's no winners here. It's a bunch of losers, to be honest with you, because they're, like, the basic dating sim tropes are just, like, not... They're not necessarily good or compelling romances, but... Uh, my, the most entertaining one, the one I enjoyed the most, was the evil school doctor. I'll just say that. Oh, yeah. Uh, again, no, I it's all heterosexual. There's no gay stuff or anything. I was really excited because at some point you meet a sparrow, who is this um, biker babe who rides around on her motor scooter. So is it like a little Photoshop picture of a sparrow in like a leather jacket? No, it's it's just picture of Sparrow, and then like in the okay. background, we'll just pop up a static image of her motorcycle, and then it starts to discuss. That's, that's kind of even better. I'm glad. Yeah, okay. At that's one point, cute. I did get jumped by oh. punk pigeons or punctions, as they were called in the game, which were these pigeons with um, terribly photoshopped, like like just drawn on mohawks and like piercings on their beak and like j- jackets, like leather jackets and shit. It's that sounds stuff. fucking fantastic. It's a good time. It's it's just an enjoyably ridiculous game. Dating sims are usually not, they're pretty ridiculous just by default, and then they sometimes take themselves too seriously. Mm, yeah. So, or the wrong kind of ridiculously, so it's nice to play one that's just like balls out ridiculous. So, uh, the other game I played this week is I finally, when I was sick, I was like, oh, I don't feel so good. I should play a video game. And then I decided to finish The Walking Dead Season 2. 
Which I didn't realize well, you'd actually been playing that much of that. I think I, I remember yeah. you talked about like about the first episode or two on the podcast like months ago. But I played the first three episodes, and then I kind of I once I stopped really using my Xbox 360, um, I just kind of forgot about it. Is that where you're playing it on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I wanted to bring over my stuff from my choices from Walking Dead One and uh, Four Hundred Days. Did it seem like your choices from Walking Dead One were actually having an impact on the plot? It's just slight. It's just tiny things. It's like a, a passing allusion to a thing that did or did not happen. Yeah. It's not any sort of deep. You pushed Lee in front of a bus. Exactly right. You Lee have sexual fantasies about Lee. Thanks, Phil. Well, That's a good one. Um, really appreciate the that. The only father figure she had. She, you know. So I finished Walking Dead Two. I, I played episodes four and five, yeah. and it was. I kind of am glad that I played them when I was kind of sick and not really on the top of my game because normally I I can't help to play but to play with the instinct of Clementine is still trying to some degree to preserve some element of Clementine's purity mm-hmm. which it, that's pretty much the the driving motivation of season 1 and uh season this second part is all like Basically, Clementine is on her own and exposed, and what will she do when she's in these elements? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, like, it, the choices she make. it's much more interesting when you play it, basically, Renegade Clementine, who's like, fuck everything, I gotta survive. I, for the first time, I made a choice, because at the end of every, these Telltale things, they, since it's so much about choice, they show you a breakdown of who made what choice. Mm-hmm. For the first time, the last choice I made in season two was a, I was in the bottom 10 percentile of uh, folks who made that decision, which has never happened to me before. Wait, at the end of which episode? The, the very end of the season. What, the what was the episode. decision? I'm not going to say, because it's, a, it's literally the climax of the I don't think anyone season. gives a shit. I'm Bill. I try to make this podcast be as spoiler-free as possible. I wouldn't explain the details of how to full boyfriend the pigeon dating sim. I'm not going to say the decision that is the climax of Walking Dead. If you really want to know, let's you can put look it up this way. Online. I heard the Player One podcast spoiler cast about the last episode, and it sounded so uninteresting. I can't even remember what happens at the end. Of it's what, what it's I not heard. a terribly. It's not a terribly. Oh, game. oh, oh! I remember. There's a thing where you have to make a choice because people show up and there's a gun involved, and you just described pretty much all of Walking Dead season one. I won't try to describe it as vaguely as possible, but I did remember supposedly uh, the Walking Dead season two has a uh, the the possible uh, story paths diverge much more wildly wildly I can't even speak this morning uh, than they did in the first game, where the first game was. You, you really, the game ended the same way almost regardless of what your choices were. There are some personal details that changed. And, yeah. you know, some characters died, you know, but, but, yes, but it sounds like the second game there was actually, like, the end point was, like, considerably different for different people concerning yeah. how you played, yeah, so. I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I, like, I've said before, I don't envy anyone who has to follow up season one. Because season one, half the impact of season one was it's so unexpected and was the idea of this protecting of innocence. Yeah, it's hard to duplicate that kind of success again. Yeah, and as an elevator pitch, having that innocent be the protagonist is a great idea, but yeah. it's a really tricky thing to How much often. older is Clem supposed to be at the end of the second season than she was at the end of the first? Um, Did they even mention, like, ages or anything like that? Maybe a few months. Oh, okay, so it's not like, yeah, it doesn't, like, time jump, like, two years or in no. the future or anything like that. Yeah. So, Does she still sound like an adult woman pretending to be a little girl? Well, she is acting a little older now. Okay, so it's a little bit less Haley. Yeah. At some you point want you... some soup, Lee? I was waiting for you to allude to soup. Uh, <laughs> at some soup point, you hear her um, 
you hear a, a Clementine, an early voice Clementine, and there is a perceivable difference. Oh, okay, okay, like okay, she's okay, okay. aged her up. Clementine is not innocent anymore, and she's acting at that different. What happened to Kenny in your story? I'm not Bill. Literally, <laughs> the whole fucking thing is that I'm not trying to talk about any I'm spoilers. I'm not talking about Kenny from this. I'm talking about Kenny from How to Bull, How to Bull Boyfriend. Is there not the a other guy game I Kenny played this week? Is I played a little bit of <laughs> Infamous First Light. How'd that go? And you know what? I think I was watching you, and you quit how you in the middle of something. I think you were well, broadcasting. Yeah, I was like, wait, what happened? I didn't know if like you had a, uh, like a technical issue. I played for an hour and 15 minutes, and then I needed to go do another thing. That's, yeah, because we were like running around, it was just suddenly like, off. I was like, okay, this broadcast yeah. is ended. Yep. I didn't have my earbuds in, so I couldn't like stop and oh, say, no, exactly, hey, everybody, yeah. I have to go take a shit, and do also I gotta go do other things. Do you have a PlayStation camera? I'm sure what? Do you have a PlayStation 4 camera? No, and if I did, I wouldn't turn it on so you could stare at me blankly playing the game. Oh, that's the best part. You can imagine all the people staring at us blankly while we're talking, you know, to ourselves right now on fucking YouTube. <laughs> Um, um, the, uh, at least we're having a conversation here. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Honestly, I decided I didn't want a PlayStation 4 video when I learned that I could not talk to Netflix and tell it to play the pause. You can't like, do that with the PlayStation game? I thought there were some voice yeah. commands for the PlayStation 4. I, I, I asked Jimmy and Conley explicitly, because they do have a camera. Do you just want my Xbox that. One? Because you can do it with that. That's pretty much the only <laughs> use for the Kinect on that. No. I, I did fire up my Xbox 360 to play Walking Dead, and then I watched the Netflix on there, and I forgot. It's really nice. I tried to play with a little bit of Lego. That's perfect for playing with lego because your hands are occupied and it's like xbox play more garbage bill i think your xbox heard you talk about it <laughs> oh wait did it turn on okay because every time every other time we're talking about no actually i think i got a message from amazon uh yeah no amazon uh looks like my uh copy of uh D- destiny just uh shipped okay so oh, good for you billy uh, i know but what anyway, i'm playing real this week quick to wrap up infamous first light if y'all have a, if you have a ps4 and you haven't played second sun Infamous First Light is actually, it's a standalone thing. It's like, I want to say 15 or 20 bucks, and it's a really enjoyable time. I, I like, was, I, I like the idea of, you know, it's, it's, I've always heard good things about the Infamous series, and uh, everyone said, it sounded like people had a pretty good time with Second Son. Yeah, And uh, from what I was watching you play, uh, I'm sorry, my housemate just started playing keyboard upstairs uh apologies for anyone who may be hearing uh keyboard stuff in the background while i'm, while I'm talking uh no but i was watching you play and i kind of like the character that you're playing as was it yeah. fetch fetch yeah i just like that she's like a weird brooklynite but she's running around seattle for some reason and she's I all like hello there i'm gonna i'm gonna use my neon magic to kill you she's voiced by laura bailey who's my favorite boss from saints row oh, so okay. that made me happy too she sounds like a moreno from uh orange is the new black which you know that that that's i like her so <laughs> a little bit a, a little, little bit she's got that brooklyn kind of like hey i gotta go kill you uh, hey no, she sounds a, like bugs it's, bunny it's a very enjoyable boiled down version of second son that is I there a right skin now. for fetch where she dresses up as a, a cross-dressing bugs bunny TBD, Bill. Oh, we'll that see. would be amazing. I haven't got very far into it. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to get a gaming PC just so I can play a modded version of Infamous Second Son where you're, a you're PC playing as Carmen Miranda, Bugs Bunny, like singing and dancing. Cha 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 cha. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that, my friend. So, Bill, <laughs> what, what games have you been up to this week? Uh, Minecraft came out for the PlayStation 4 on Friday, and I. Yeah. I've probably played more of that this week than I'll probably even play of Destiny next week, which is fucking yeah. ridiculous. Uh, I fell into that super fucking hard. I've been playing a lot with the Grumpy Turtle. And uh, that's just... Uh, there's not much to say about Minecraft uh, that no, really anyone has ever said about Minecraft before, except uh, Grumpy Turtle. He bought all of the skins, uh, both the texture packs for the world, which changed how the world looks. We mm-hmm. were in a cartoon 
skin pack version of the world where everything like like it replaces all the tools with random objects like instead of an axe you like it gives you a big yellow fish that you're just hitting things with <laughs> okay and shit like that and uh he also has character skins and I guess uh, they're on PlayStation Network. They sell a whole bunch of different uh, character skins. So, you know, the character you play as looks different. And I guess there's a, a character skin pack for a whole bunch of Sony characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can actually, part of the, that, that skin pack for your characters also involves uh, all the characters from The Last of Us. So you can play as Joel, Tess, or Ellie Aww. in Minecraft. And it was funny because I saw him cycling through all The Last of Us skins. And I was like, who the hell is that? I was like, oh, that's supposed to be Tess because it's like kind of ripped off, like, you know, armless shirt yeah. and all that shit. I was like, oh man, that might be the one thing that actually gets Annie playing Minecraft. No, won't. maybe is, someday, friends, knowing friends, that she can play as Tess. Our beloved friends Josie and Kelly are in town, and they they were so sweet. We had them over for dinner the other night, and they were giving us a passionate defense of Minecraft and what they find satisfying about it, and what they found find engaging. And it was great to talk to them about Minecraft for like forty five minutes, just them preaching the gospel of Minecraft and. But I, 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 lo- I love how much y'all love Minecraft. I Minecraft really do. is fucking great because it's 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 so many different games in one. You have the creative mode where you can just fly right. around and like treat it like a big Lego thing. Right. You have the survival mode where you can just make it so that it's you just versus the environment. Or you can turn on all the monsters so you have to worry about being attacked. And so like it has a great spectrum of difficulties that you can kind of like like just like kind of inflict on yourself depending on the mood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can decide if you want to play it as, like, a building sim or if you just want to, like, adventure, just go explore. And rather than building things, if you just want to go see what's yeah. out in the world. Uh, one of the nice things about the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions of the game, I think they said the... the whereas the PC version, the worlds are spontaneously, randomly generated, and they can technically be almost infinite. Right. Uh, the the Xbox uh, 360 and PlayStation 3 versions were very tiny, though, just as a result of, I think it was a combination of RAM issues and also um, Microsoft and Sony have limitations on the size of your save data. Oh, yeah. And which I guess with the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, those limitations are much larger, so I guess these worlds can be up to 32 times larger than they were on the, on the original console hmm. versions. Wow. Which... Uh, in exploring my world and helping Grumpy Turtle explore his world, the worlds are large enough; they might as well be limitless. I mean, right. you can you can still find the borders, but like you, it's it that's not really a concern anymore. You're not going to feel hemmed in anymore. It's it's a it's a big fucking world to explore. You could easily get lost in in the plot of land that you're given. And so yeah, no, just funny. It looks really good on the you know, it looks really sharp on the new consoles and everything like yeah. that. And it's yeah, it, it's Minecraft is fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm you so get glad great stories to tell other people. Like I was, I was, I thought, yeah. oh, I fell through a thing of lava because I was digging beneath my feet, and this thing happened, yeah. and that thing happened, and I oh, fucking Jeff Gersman. I like, I was playing the other night, and I saw that Jeff Gersman. He's on my friends list. He's not friends with me, but I'm friends with him, so I could just like walk into his Minecraft world if he's got any open spaces. Jeff yeah. Gersman from Giant Bomb. Right. And so he, I guess he had started up a game, and he had just started building a house in a swamp. And so in order to help him out, I started digging a hole right next to his house just to, like, look for extra minerals and stuff and building supplies to help out, like, help fortify his house. And I did find this big underground cavern with all kinds of, like, gems and all kinds of crazy shit. And while he he came down there and started digging, too, he found this, like, dungeon full of spiders that he, while I was not looking, he found, I didn't know he found this, he walled up the dungeon, kind of, like, goaded me to kind of come near the dungeon, (laughs) and I could hear something on the other side of the wall... And so I started cracking through it, and he knew what was on the other side, but I didn't know. So I cracked open this wall, and nothing but, 
well, I shouldn't talk about, it, but bunnies came out and yes. wiped me out in a heartbeat. <laughs> and it, he it, he laid a trap for me just to fuck with me in the game, which is kind of a funny, just like yeah, anyway. it's delightful. And I was trying to I help him, and I said, I said, fine, fuck, I just saved out and quit. And that's the last <laughs> time I tried to help a gaming journalist. I'm now part of Gamergate. Now I they that's persuaded right, me. You are part of the problem, my friend. Exactly. Now I demand culpability. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So. I should actually say, give the caveat of this podcast, because this podcast could abruptly end at any minute. Why? <laughs> because uh, maybe a night or two ago, uh, I was playing Had a Full Boyfriend in, on my computer in my office. I'm sitting here and at my desk, I'm at my computer, and I've got my, the surface of my desk is all of Benton, my Lego animal uh, western town. And then I have a, a he- an old reclaimed metal um, like a garage shelf here um that i have more of my benton buildings on everything like that and i'm just sitting here playing and then a big i'm a screaming weeping arachnophobe and a big damn fluffy is what i euphemistically call them a big damn fluffy about the size of a quarter crawls across the wall and behind my bookcase and into benton for all intents and purposes and i screamed and ran into the room weeping my wife couldn't get it because it was behind all of these heavy very much immobile objects yeah. that she'd have to literally dismem- dismem- uh, disassemble her entire office at which point it's not like she's necessarily going to find anything and so I, I actually didn't fall asleep till 4 o'clock in the morning for rocking hysterically and crying in the other Aww. room. So if I abruptly just bolt, it's because my worst nightmare has rehappened, and uh, I'm, I'm outie. I'm so. sorry to hear about that. Aww. It's... Man, it was right during Hot to Boyfriend was the worst part. I'm like, I just want to fuck a pigeon. Yeah, you were in your, you're in your little zone and then suddenly got knocked out of and dragged into your own personal hell. And the, and the worst part is is that if it's in Benton somewhere... It's not going to... Let's put it this way. You can tell me... Here's the thing about irrational fears, though. They're irrational. Like, now I'm going to fear that every time I open... I'm afraid that every time I open a Lego door, that critters are going to come. And it just means out. that it's tending bar in Benton right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, you said serious? that as a joke, and then I panicked, and looked through the windows of my saloon. In my experience with fluffies, they don't tend to deal with plastic very well. They like like kind of like more organic spaces where they like their webs and things. Uh, it's I wouldn't worry about it too much. I know it's irrational. I can't like talk you out of it, but. I, think, I appreciate. I, I think your... long term you'll be okay. Yeah, I know I will. I, I know, but it's me, and that's fine. Yeah. But I just don't. <laughs> oh, so I was listening to a podcast this week where they're talking about Lego stuff. So I guess in October you get double. Are you a Lego VIP? I am. Um. So I guess you get double VIP points in October for anything you buy. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh man, that's when I'm going to get the Parisian restaurant. That's when I'm going to get the the oh, the Monster Fighters Mansion house or whatever yeah. the hell that's supposed to be. And... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And I guess if you get it, also if you order something in October, you also get like a free Santa's Workshop. Oh yeah, kits. Where it's like a little yeah. corner of like Santa's Workshop with like two L's like putting together like like a little fire truck or something like that. There's a there's a there is a period of time until up until the fifteenth actually. What day is it? It may still be going on. Yeah, on, on Lego.com where if you spent over fifty dollars, you got a special Legend of Chima like figure and set. Oh really? And so the Legend of Chima is the animal themed fantasy series that I get all of my Benton heads for. Yeah. 
from. So I was like, oh my god, I gotta spend fifty dollars on Lego store, and then <laughs> so I just seeing her going, what? When you can just buy fifty dollars worth of chima and actually just get even more chima that he could actually use. Well, and the thing is, is that this little head is a head that I already have. Okay, it's like my it. irrational desire to get more. To I, I got really depressed the other day because I realized I just can't afford all the Lego that I need and want because Lego's so fucking expensive. Did you get the email from Bricks and Minifigs where they were having a sale where you get like I think it's like five yeah. minifigures for ten bucks regardless. Of what they are yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, thus ends our Lego corner in our podcast. I'll get back to the main to the main. What's well, been quiet? There's not been, been much going on in Lego thing, especially you being scared of your Lego sets and me not having bought anything new lately. So no. I, when I was sick, I built a blacksmith town or blacksmith shop for Benton. Yeah. I'm experimenting with slow. Do you have a big bucket of spare parts that you can kind of like start assembling stuff when you're just in the mood? You don't have to worry about going out to bricks and minifigs to like resupply to like build a new uh, building. I haven't shown you what I have. Foley got me this giant or these this these two organizers. So I actually sorted all of my Lego parts. So like I, think I have I mentioned something about that, but yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I have all these little plastic bins of all my little Lego bits and bobs, and uh, no. so I can find them for easy reference. Yeah. So yeah, I've got I've got some core materials that I use to build. <laughs> so yeah. Um, oh man. Anyway, uh, Bill, what else you been up to? Uh, Watch the Angry Video Game Nerd movie this week. So what exactly is that? Do you know what Angry Video Game Nerd is? Isn't it a YouTube series? Yeah, it's just a YouTube series where this guy's... It's been going on for ten years now where this guy just, like... Uh, he just picks random uh, terrible uh, 8-bit Nintendo games and just reviews them. Just like, I oh, fuck this game, okay. I hate this game. And half as often as that, the videos end with him like physically fighting the game. Like yeah. the game might turn into a monster that he has to defeat in his basement or something. It's very silly. I guess a couple of years ago he had a Kickstarter for uh, to make an angry video game nerd movie. And the, the, the gist of it would be like a, like a feature-length film that would end with him uh, reviewing the worst game of all time, being E.T. the Extraterrestrial for yeah. Atari 2600. And so he finally, after four years of working on this movie, he finally put it out on, I think it was Vimeo. You could buy it for 10 bucks. You just buy a download of it for like 10 bucks, like an MP4. Sure. And I bought it, and it's not terrible, but it's not very good, but it has its funny parts. Yeah. It's kind of sexist and fucked up and lazily written. But there is this part towards the end of the movie where he gets rescued from Area 51 by a fake version of E.T. He can't use the word E.T. in the movie right. because it's a copyrighted thing. So he has something called E.T., which is like three E's and three T with three E's after it. Okay. And he gets rescued by this weird like variation of E.T., which is like this little green hand puppet thing that rescues him. And they go flying off into space. Well, this big Japanese monster rises from Mount Fuji and starts destroying the world. And he actually gets, it's like all the special effects in the movie are intentionally terrible, kind of done in his basement kind of stuff. Sure. And so the movie, the movie's not trying to blow you away with its like right. super like triple A, super Hollywood, you know, quality special effects or anything. It's intentionally, it knows how stupid it is and it's intentionally trying to be a ridiculous B movie. And, but yeah, there's, there's a sweet spot towards like the last third of the movie where the movie just gets so ridiculous because he's doing all this crazy special effects shit where the movie kind of, kind of, kind of turns into kind of a Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah. kind of just giddy ridiculousness because like, he's finally got the m money to like make his own little Godzilla homage with this monster st like stomping all over uh, Tokyo then it suddenly for some reason attacks Las Vegas and stuff and it's it's cute I I paid 10 bucks for the movie I didn't kickstart his 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 the original genesis of this movie because I only found out about the angry video game nerd like maybe a year or two ago and yeah. he's actually the guy who who created the angry video game nerd James Rolfe he's actually one of my favorite guys on YouTube because 
even aside from the angry video game nerd stuff, he does a lot of, like, horror and classic film uh, reviews and stuff on his channel. So uh, half as often as not, his uh, YouTube channel will update either with, like, oh, fuck, fuck the Karate Kid for 8-Bit Nintendo. And then yeah. he'll have, like, the top ten, like, Humphrey Bogart movies or something like that. <laughs> so it's kind of okay. a cute, like, schizophrenic... Uh, pop culture kind of thing, and uh, you know, he's 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 ah, I kind of like him. I, I respect his dedication to B uh, B movie horror bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, angry video game nerd movie, not very good, but still cute and charming in its own ridiculous kind of way. That's all you can hope yeah, for. Exactly, sometimes, exactly, yeah, Sometimes you know, it's like yeah. yeah. And Less. he's and it, kind of the funny thing is he's sh he loves to show how he's been making movies his whole life ever since he was a little kid. Yeah. And so, like, he'll show, like, like in some of his clips, like, movies he was making when he was 12, just, like, monster attack movies and horror stuff. And he's gotten better, but it's still, like, very, like, threadbare, kind of goofy sensibility. Ah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that that was, yeah, it was, it was, it was very cute. Bless. Um, Bless. Oh, I like... Yeah. I like to know that people will give people money to make earnest dumb things on the internet because that's the only way I'm ever going to get any money. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, no, yeah. He's, he's well, one of us. A dear friend of mine, uh, one of Foley's long time, her oldest best friend and mm -hmm. um, total sweetheart, he found out about my my Benton, my Lego town, and he was like, oh, Annie should make a stop motion Benton movie. Oh. And my first thought was, on Parks and Recreation, there's this great bit where <laughs> Adam Scott gets, Ben, gets really, really depressed and is at home for like four <laughs> weeks, and he's like, he's trying to cope with his loneliness and going crazy, and he's like, no, I'm gonna make this animated movie, and it's gonna blow your mind, and it's gonna be like this thing that shows my reality who I am, but it's stop motion. And he spent weeks on this, and it's just, and it's like about two seconds it's yeah, he shows it literally like two seconds, like with like one second, like title intro, and he shows it off to somebody, and they're like, "Okay, so where's the rest of it?" He's like, "That's it. This took me three He's like, weeks. That took me four weeks." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just a version of himself getting out of bed. Like that's throws on the covers, sits up, and that's it. That's <laughs> and all I can think of. Oh, oh my man. God. Um, oh man. Yeah. So yeah, that well, then I saw AI, which is pretty much the same thing as Angry Video Game. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. Have you wait? Have what? we talked about AI on the podcast before? What? Well, yeah, we've talked about it in the past. What made you rewatch AI? Uh, so I found out just through the internet. So Robin Williams is an AI. I thought I had talked about this on the podcast. And have you seen the AI, AI before? Yes. Oh yeah. I so saw you it know, theaters, it's about son. like a robot kid who gets adopted by two human parents and then he yeah. runs away. The yeah. dad of those parents is Lauren Bacall's kid. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I just saw somewhere online was talking about, oh, man, that guy from uh, AI must be really bummed because Robin Williams, you know, who also shows up at the end of the movie, and Lauren Bacall died within uh, a day of each other. And I was like, he must be super bummed because his mom died and then Robin Williams died. And so I just, that for some reason, that got me, inspired me to watch AI again. It's, it had been a while. And, uh, man, everyone complains about the last 20 minutes of that movie because that movie makes a weird story turn. Like, but, like, really does. It really does. And I'm watching it again. I was like, man, you can interpret, like, that, that end in a couple different ways where, yeah. like, you kind of, because they have this whole thing about how, ah, I, I don't even know if I should talk about it because, in case anyone is listening who hasn't seen it before, but there's all kinds of stuff. Maybe we'll do an AI. We should do, like, a weird. We should do a podcast someday that's about movies with weird endings and what they mean or how they could have been better. And AI uh -huh. could be, like, one of those movies we can talk about. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that movie is so frustrating because it is, it does a lot of neat and clever things. Yeah, there's some and good then... parts in it, legitimately good. But then it's also, yeah, just kind of weird and, yeah, just, yeah. It's, it's a very stilted movie. And yeah. I watched Key Largo last night. Yeah, what you You talking about it last week, I was going to pretend, I was like, hey, Andy, we should talk about Key Largo. 
Have yeah. you ever seen it? <laughs> I had seen it before, but like I just saw Versailles yeah. Refresher last night. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a pretty good little movie. It's yeah, yeah, it's a very intimate, little steamy, kind of fucked up movie. Yeah, what I like about it, and the more I was thinking about it, is I like the idea of using that sort of premise for a video game. Of, like, having just, like, these disparate people... Oh, just locked in a single environment? Yeah, locked, and just, in like, coming, like, understanding each other in this conflict, while there is this, also this element of, um, of, like, uh, like, man versus man, and then man versus nature, yeah. as, like, the world kind of closes them in together and amplifies man versus man. I it's forgot just... that Edward G. Robinson was in that movie, which cracks yeah. me up, because every time I ever see him in anything, I, re- I just think he's the human version of the gangster from the Bugs Bunny cartoons. That's exactly it! Like, Foley was like... I, have I seen him in something? Because he's like, something. No, yeah, because he's got like cartoon. the little spats. He's got the cigar. He's got the hat. He's got the big liver lips. And you realize, like, any time a gangster ever showed up in a Looney Tunes cartoon is essentially this guy. Yeah. I'm going to point out here, I was thinking this, but I wasn't going to say it out loud to be an asshole. Maxwell Motley just said in the stream, I love Bill. I will happily spoil a movie that's not even out of the cinema yet, but you hesitate to spoil a film that's 50 years old. <laughs> intimate little film and what's interesting is the kind of agency that the women have in it is always kind of an interesting thing so yeah oh the, the uh, well i guess there are two women or i forgot about the the the, the alcoholic lady in that but it's, yeah, no, it's, it's a it's... very subtle thing but like yeah the the like lauren bacall like i said last week she's not really very active but, but um, she still works on the periphery of the story enough that yeah, she, it's she's, not like she's just a, a wallpaper. She's a galvanizing yeah. force for Humphrey Bogart. Well, I even like the ending, like, you know, you can imagine them getting together, but it's not explicit. You know, it doesn't end with them hugging against the sunset or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. And then the, the, the drunk broad lady actually in the end does have some agency in... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's... She kind of manip- manipulates the situation. Exactly. My, so. my tongue doesn't work these days. It's all good. Um, well, the funny thing, too, is not that long ago I watched... Uh, did you ever see Tales from the Crypt, the HBO horror anthology show? No. They had an episode where Robert Zemeckis... I remember this is the big thing. It was like, like This is from like 1985 or 1989, like 25 years ago, where there was an episode where Robert Zemeckis said, we we're going to have Humphrey Bogart star in an episode of Tales of the Crypt. Yeah. And I was like, what? And so what he did was he had a guy dressed like Humphrey Bogart walking around like this little half hour horror story that he then surgically implanted all this black and white colorized footage of Humphrey Bogart's face onto this guy. And especially this, this is done the technology 25 years ago. So especially now you look back, look back at it. It's yeah. Fucking atrocious. You can see clips of it on YouTube. It is huh. goddamn horrifying. Anyway. Huh. So watching Key Largo again, because I just watched this quote unquote, episode of uh tales of the crypt quote unquote starring uh humphrey Bogart, i could see clips from the key largo that they had transplanted into this episode yeah like humphrey Bogart standing up or getting a drink or i'm like oh that's that's that specific shot i remember they like cut like essentially photoshopped onto this poor random guy's face for this terrible episode of this horror show and uh yeah no they actually credit humphrey Bogart as being the star of that episode like I, i think on imdb the first ca- listed member of the cast of Humphrey Bogart, and I don't think anyone tried it again because that was such a failed, terrible experiment. Yeah, and it's a, you can't really say Humphrey. Oh, that's not Humphrey Bogart. That's not acting. That's like terrible. What is the what is is it Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid? The movie with, with it's a lot of cut in like film noir that, and that sounds cinema. familiar. Maybe it is. I don't know, but yeah, I mean that was right when they were like implanting like 
uh, I think we may even Bogart again and like a fucking who's 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 the hot sexy lady everyone loves Marilyn Monroe like into like Coke commercials and shit where they're like yeah. it's a Coke commercial starring Marilyn Monroe. And, yes, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, nineteen eighty two. It's a Carl Reiner movie. Wow. With Steve Martin. I don't think I've ever seen that. That may be one of the only it's Steve not Martin movies I've seen. I, I only saw it once. It's not very good. Yeah. It's an it's it's again. It's like one of those things where it's all about the gimmick. Yeah. Rather than actually being a compelling thing on its own. Anyway, what what else do you do this week? What else? What else? Uh, I caught up on Legend of Korra finally. <gasps> Foley and I mainlined all of season two, thanks to you, Bill, and then watched all of season three. Um, I with my new Chromebook, I just plugged in the HDMI port and streamed it all to my TV, which is actually really oh nice. okay. I was afraid you guys were stuck watching the season, uh, third season just on your Chromebook on the screen itself. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we plugged in the HDMI and did, did that way. It was a lot of, man, I'm glad y'all were all correct, and now I'll join the chorus. Season two is pretty rough, but has some fun bits at the yeah, back end. it's rough as in, like, rough. But like, rough the also, crime dog. The status quo that season two sets is kind of an interesting one. And then uh, the season three is a lot of fun. Most importantly, this isn't super, super spoilerific. It's just really nice to see Korra and Asami have their friendship be falling down. Foley is perking up her ears. Uh, Foley is old school Korra Samias, so she found it very emotionally well, satisfying. There's a bit in like one of the first episodes of season three where they kind of like, confessed to each other that like they kissed Mako and stuff, and it, like there's a thing where like uh, Asami pretended to be angry, and she's like, "Oh no, I knew about that all the time." Yeah, and, like even Asami's like, "You know, this is nice to actually have a girlfriend I can talk to about this stuff," and they just totally it's... like they're hanging out. Yeah, they have an actual conversation where they decide bros before Mako, yeah! which is like the best possible thing. Yeah, and Mako is pretty much sidelined for the whole rest of the season. Like he does a couple. Things, but he's, that whole, the there's no romance stuff on the rest of the season which is oh fantastic. it's so good yeah. though <laughs> but yeah no I, I season three was really interesting i liked that it was mostly about the adults in the room so yeah. it was like about adult problems and issues what do you think of the red the... lotus team that was really cool i enjoyed it i thought a lot of people like well well the season progressed were like i could actually i would almost mind watching a show about these guys more than the heroes that we're actually watching like and it was interesting. the water bending lady with no arms yeah yeah that was cool so the thing I was wondering watching this though is that season three got kind of dark and kind of mature. Not kind like of? <laughs> it was like I mean, Cor- first season Cora was dealing with like you know some degree of racial cleansing, of racial yeah, cleansing no, yeah, essentially, was, yeah. but in a kind of still in an accessible enough way. But season three is about anarchists and um, like there is there was one moment in the finale, and I'll be vague about it for the sake of spoilers, but um, where there's an awkward cut where I couldn't tell what happened uh, because that it was a lot su- of people, yeah, an act of such extreme violence happens, and then there's like that you kind of see the start of it, and then a cut to someone reacting to it, yeah, but in a way that it felt like literally something I edited. Are you out. talking about yeah. the moment where someone does something to someone else, and suddenly there's a cut, and there's just like 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 smoke? Yeah, <laughs> like, like of- I think that person. Was- blew up. <laughs> it was the most baller thing I've ever seen. Well, that was really rad. Well, the sound got cut. Yeah, the sound yeah, was there's absent no too. Or anything. Everyone thinks that that was probably just an editing thing where it just came down yeah. to like ratings. They just couldn't like it. Exactly. Well, I, I part of me wonders if, and then also the way that Cora ends at the end of the season three oh, is like yeah, the last shot of the season? Yeah, it's like my point. I feel like maybe Nick not only booted it because of ratings and this or that. I wonder if they were like, "This is you guys actually. You could do this sort of shit when your ratings could swing it. Yeah, but when your ratings don't, 
We'll put that so, shit online. I mean, well, we can talk about some spoilers because I don't think either you like. What What do you think the last uh, shot of the season means? Because there's actually been arguments about like whether or not that's happy or sad. I think it can be both. I think it's more sad than anything else. Yeah. Korra's in a really fucked up place by the end of season three. Yeah, and I and like Which it. is interesting. Korra's evolution, the big biff, the big, you know, issue about a lot of, frankly, season one of Korra and to some degree season two is that you don't necessarily get to see Korra grow or change very much. Yeah, she reverts a lot. I love Korra, and I like that about Korra, but season three, you actually get to see Korra evolving as a person. You can see her becoming the Avatar. You can see her struggling with that and kind of finding her own way. And I think it's responsibility some... a lot. And yeah, yeah. yeah, and like Korra is actually becoming an interesting person, and then to have this traumatic event happen to her, it's really, I mean, I'm curious. I'm really curious about season four. Yeah. I really hope they I, swing I, it. I just saw a lot of people just saying, oh, no, she's, she's, she's crying because she's so happy. And it's dumb. like no, like That's you're not like really dumb, paying attention. Dumb babies. If anything, there's no real room for the avatar in this world. But like, man, the Janora gets her uh, head tattoo. Yeah, like they actually went really bald. They actually went through the thing where she gets she's got a shaved head. Yeah. And I saw people online complaining that like that doesn't make her attractive anymore. I'm like, that does That's not the <laughs> she's point. She's like an 11 year old girl. Yeah, if you're worried about her being attractive. Like, what do you want to show them? Like, try to give her like an Airbender Master tattoo through her hair. Like, what do you no. like? What like do you fuck ass her? Yeah. You know what? If we can spend the le- the more we can do to distance ourselves from having designed female characters in a way that a dude wants to fuck her, the yeah, better. Uh, what do you think of Lynn's sister? Great. Like I liked all of the Lynn storyline, like all of that shit. It was really season three was really really solid. <laughs> what I thought was most no, interesting about season three is that I feel like by the time that season one was airing, they're already you know they'd kind of already gotten that go sign for season two, and that yeah. was already kind of in motion. Season three, I feel like, is most consciously a reaction to a lot of the criticism. Yeah, of they season had time one. for course correction. Exactly, and I think it it it's the better for it. Yeah, they just so. announced this week that the title of book four, the last season, is going to be called uh, Book Four Balance. And yeah. as we mentioned last week, it sounds like that's going to be airing uh, probably by the end of January. So that's that Korra is going to be Korra and Avatar in general are just pretty pretty much going to be over in the next like couple months. But I'm going to yeah. be kind of sad to see it go. But uh, if it continues on this 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 track of quality, it should be a good yeah. good way to see the the whole series out. I'm and very yeah, uh, people were suspecting that Lynn's sister was going to turn out to be bad because you see a point where you kind of like the camera pans through her apartment when you're first meeting that character inside the metal bending city, and you see all this stuff she's collected on her journeys throughout the world. And she has a picture of herself with all these circus performers, and it looks like some of the circus performers she's hanging out with are the Red Lotus Gang. Hmm. And some people were, like, wondering, like, that could still maybe be, be an issue later. Also, the introduction of a character at the very end of the last episode. Yeah, who abruptly is named. As abruptly, yeah. and that's actually voiced by Zelda Williams, Rodden Williams' daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. But, uh, so I guess the weird thing, too, I guess when they were first promoting what little effort they actually went into promoting season three... Uh, there were some uh, shots of that character that sounds like they, for some reason, was going to be in book three, but got bumped, bumped over to book four. Of her character, that character being very specifically evil looking. Hmm. That it was put out as promotional. It's it's not like any kind of leaked material. It was just out there, but for some reason, it's not in this season. But like, so I guess maybe she's going to be the villain in the next hmm. season or something. But you know, yeah, Cora got good. Yeah, no, it's it's there was yeah. Which is great, because, I mean, Korra is never is not, like, transcendental entertainment, but it is fun entertainment about ladies. Yeah. I need more fun entertainment about ladies. On a similar note, we are now officially 
100% caught up with Teen Wolf. Here comes your Teen Wolf update, everybody. <laughs> season, we just finished season four of Teen Wolf. Season four of Teen Wolf has, I'm not even kidding, a, I think I talked about this last week, there are werewolves, there's a were-coyote. Were-cheetah. There's a were-cheetah. Oh, wait, is it a jaguar? She's a jaguar, It's a jaguar, sorry. Uh, oh there's a God. kitsune, so you have a were-fox. Uh-huh. And then, uh, no, I talked about this a last banshee. week, but you have, a, oh, you have a banshee, but I'm talking about wares. You have oh, a wares. moment where one of the werewolves briefly becomes a were-teen, uh, which was amazing. And uh, it's just fucking Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf is ridiculous. But what's interesting about Teen Wolf is that the most recent season in particular has a very concentrated and deliberate influx of ladies. Oh, yeah? Like, you have your big bad, like, a lot of the agents of the big bad are ladies. Like, you have more ladies added to the cast. Fucking awesome bounty hunters. Yeah, you have have broad Mm -hmm. bounty hunters. You have a lady who's essentially just part of the ambient lore that drives the season and a little bit of the prior season is a woman, an older woman at that. And it's just kind of, like, it's just kind of nice. It's not any sort of, like active, like, you don't have any of them going, and I'm a strong female character sort of shit, and they're not necessarily all the best characters and the best actors, but it's just kind of nice to have shows with ambient broads, I'm all about it. Ambient broads, ambient gays. Ambient gays, too, yeah. Someday we'll have a main character gay. How many seasons does that show up to? That just, we just, oh wait, no, is it over? Did it finish? What? Or is it one, one episode left? One episode left. Well, there's yeah, one episode you guys left. Are eating all the Vikings that there is to have. You've finished yeah. up Teen Wolf. You finished up Core. You're running out of stuff to watch. Uh, we uh, there's one episode left of Teen Wolf. Actually, that airs tomorrow night fully. Uh-huh. Damn. Now, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, then uh, yeah, we're that's been our vast consumption of media lately. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm still catching up on Hell on Wheels. That's the other thing I watched this week. Yeah, Hell on Wheels is not very good. Uh, it's pretty bad. I can't think you're calling that, like, that's, an, uh, that's a woman's name called Helen Wheels. Helen Wheels? Yeah. That's the name of my fan fiction. <laughs> Helen Wheels is interesting because it's a lot of really potentially interesting characters and scenarios that are then just totally not That's still the show about the building the Continental Railroad, right? Yeah. It's about, yeah, crossing the United States with rail. And what, season... What's his name from uh, Chief O'Brien from Star Trek, right? Yeah. yeah. I've made the joke before where my, part of my issue with it is that it feels like Chief O'Brien's holodeck power fantasies. <laughs> But, um... Um, What's that? So you should just go back to Deep Space Nine. If (laughs) Foley was trying to get you to watch it anyway, you could just pretend it's a spinoff from Hell on Wheels. Yeah. Yeah. It's... The second season ends in kind of a baller way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the the third season opens with a montage in which the two handsome male characters get suits made for them, and then they uh, fight in their uh, shirt cuffs in a hotel room. So, it's... It's... Getting it's Annie Stamp proof. Well, the episode that. It's really ends. This, this is the writing credit written by Annie's ghost. <laughs> exactly, written by Annie's subconscious. You're welcome, uh, Annie. You know, I uh, forgot it's that really now bad that September show. all the TV shows are coming back. So I'm assuming we'll be yeah. getting new Parks and Recreation and stuff soon. You know what's funny? Weirdly, the show I'm most hyped about returning is Brooklyn Nine Nine of all things. I need to catch up on the first season because I watched like the first half of it, but I never wound up uh, catching the rest. Those, just those, those, all those. Talk about ambient broads. That's just a good man. I fun. hate that show too because, like, I think it's funny, but I also think all the women on the, every every female cast member. I'm like, how you doing? Yeah, I am the, a, a walking all, embodiment of the all, male gaze when it comes to that show. Yeah, there is also Bill. You and I are also the sort of people who are like, oh, you're a funny, attractive woman. Go on. Exactly, so. exactly. It doesn't take that much. Yeah, we're we're terrible beasts. But you got you got a, you, you, you've got the funny quote-unquote cute chick you've got the funny tough chick you got the funny like a nerdy office chick you kind of get all like you know all your essential funny yeah. lady vitamins just in the one show with the that, yeah. just that one cast but yeah 
Oh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, man. Yeah. Tough lady. I love that tough lady. Yeah. What's her character's name? Um, uh, Fully, what's the name of the tough broad on Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Mendez? Um, wait, wait. Tough broad? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the name of the actress or the name of the character? The character, the character yeah. Diaz. 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 Okay, yeah. Yeah. Diaz is my favorite. Yeah, she's a badass. <laughs> she's so She's great. like sex. Like she's she's like you, Audrey Plaza. Have you seen pictures? Have you ever seen video of her when she's oh not in character? It's alarming. I've seen a couple she's of them. She's adorable. She kind of has a squeaky voice and yeah. big glasses. <laughs> like, giant glasses. I'm oh like, my oh, God. you're so cute. It's charming as hell, that fucking show. Also, I really miss Chelsea Peretti, who plays the insane admin mm-hmm. on yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, no, she's fantastic. Yeah, she's, yeah. God, she's so good. Yeah, I'm mo- weirdly, I'm most excited about Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Kroll show. Um, show. Those are the shows that I really want to come back. All throughout the Simpsons uh, marathon I was watching last week, they, they kept on showing ads for The League, which is, I guess, that's another yeah. show that uh, Jason Kroll's on. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, his name Nick is Jason Kroll? Kroll? Nick Kroll? Nick yeah. Kroll. And so literally is... every 15 minutes I get to see Nick Kroll on my TV screen. Uh, Bill, you should watch The League. You should. Is it good? I'm just saying. There's a really funny hot chick on it. So there's that. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, he her me. relationship okay. with her husband is one of my favorite um, fictional husband and wife relationships on television. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because they're adults, a married adults so with children still have sex. You, you, t- you talked about the Kroll show before, but I didn't realize you were following Nick Kroll all over the place over. Well, I, I've talked about Nick, uh, the league on the show and the on podcast in the past, but I haven't like I'm a, I'm a season behind Should on it. Not um, be getting some new Kim Peel too. Probably. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's it's all good. TV. Man. Oh, TV. TV, thank you for helping me ignore my mental problems and uh, issues and oh. get behind on laundry more. By, yeah, uh, New Key Peel starts in two weeks. Yeah. I gotta catch up with Steven Universe, gotta catch up with the Gravity Falls. Man, there's so much TV. So much TV. Bless. Anyway. Bless you, TV, for letting for filling the hole inside me, silencing the void, the whistling of the void with your dulcet tones. Uh, Bill, tell me about Don't Sell at Any Cost. Uh, there's not much to talk about. It's just a book about uh, people who collect uh, old 78 RPM records. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard this piece. Actually, this book was recommended to me from both uh, people from the comic book uh, community and within the video game community. And, mm-hmm. and as much as this is a book, not necessarily, you don't have to be conversational or know that much about record collecting because the book is actually written by a lady who doesn't know that much about record collecting in terms of like these old like 78 RPM records, which were only mm-hmm. kind of produced in like the like late, late teens and early 20s. Right. Um, but it's mostly just about like the obsessive nature of collecting and why you collect stuff. And there's a lot of interesting things, stuff in this book about how uh, this community of record collectors are kind of feel really agitated agitated because they're not even respected uh by anybody and and not even respected by other record collectors that much mm-hmm. but like the whole economy of the stuff they collect is based off of the fact there's only a very tiny finite amount of these records left in the world because yeah. you know no one's producing things these things anymore and so the only way that these guys can afford this stuff is because there's only like maybe a hundred of these collectors in the world and they're all kind of broken. They're not charging much for this. And uh, hmm. the point is made a couple times in the book. All it would take would be like one millionaire coming and deciding that he wants to start collecting this stuff to start buying people out and completely destroy this entire the economy that these guys have essentially built for themselves. And she specifically hmm. points out that like almost all the collectors for this stuff are like in their forties and they're male and they're socially like inept and stuff. And you know, which like a lot of collectors for almost anything. But it's just an interesting hmm. like kind of social overview of 
just yeah. the kind of personality it takes to be obsessive about this stuff. And she she's not, like, mocking them, and she's not, like, deriding them or anything like that. When she talks about how obsessive they are, it's not like, oh, these people are crazy. It's just, like, she talks about, like, what kind of uh, role in their life this stuff is fulfilling for different people and how different yeah. people, like... And then she, huh. it's, she's not, like, saying they're all lonely or anything like that, but just talks about, like, why people can fall into an obsession with inanimate objects. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, what, well, what like in their the... lives, like, causes them causes this stuff to happen so yeah no i mean that's the nature of all collecting yeah. is that like i mean it's like the same thing with my fucking lego well she mentions it's... like there's toy collectors and like yeah, yeah even if you're using this stuff like because yeah. these people a lot of these people some of these people don't listen to the rp markers they just collect them just to have them as objects but then you oh, got sure. the people actually use the stuff and like she even mentioned like the, like toys and stuff like that where people actually just get stuff because they like actually using it like lego and stuff but yeah but, I mean, even, like, there is that whole sense of, like, a dragon where it's, like, you get your gold and you sit on it sort yeah. of thing, you know? I can totally... I have such a... Like, I have in me the potential to be such a pack rat. I mean, for Christ's sake, I have a room in my house. The guest room <laughs> is literally chock full of Robin Hood books. And I've only read maybe 10% of them, like, really, if I'm going to be honest. A lot of them, granted, are it's because they're the same book the same text just with different illustrations because mostly to be fair i come to it for the illustrations more than anything else but it's it's mostly just that acquisitive addictive aspect of it and it is very reassuring and calming to know that this thing that you love is yours and you can keep it safe and you have it and knowing that it's there waiting for you it's there is part of your brain that just kind of is very soothed by that there's starts purring yeah and that's so. part of the part of the book's thesis that everyone's got something about this. Even if you don't collect it, everyone has that impulse. Yeah. And so yeah, so it's it's, it's the book is re- like, don't yeah it's called don't uh, sell at any price and it, yeah it's really about people's uh people's relationship with inanimate objects. That's really yeah. what it boils down to, and it's kind of an interesting just yeah book about that. You know? So it's not very it's only like 150 pages long, so it's not like a big huge thick tome or anything. Like, you could read it in sure. a weekend if you really wanted to. So yeah. anyway. Huh. That sounds like a good read, my friends. Yes. All right, pals, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back for the Geek Week in Review. Oh, yeah. So what are you, yeah, just, are you working on a Koryasama art? Yes. No. Yes, because they're adorable, and I forgot... I, part of me is still hoping. I wonder, especially I if they're going to continue with Legend of Korra just being on digital only. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they would ever have the balls to suggest instead of either of them ending up with Mako, at least maybe kind of suggesting they're not going to end up together. But I wonder if they would have the balls to kind of leave it open enough, ended enough that you kind of make your own judgment call. I, I think that I think that both of the creators really admitted to the fact that they love Asami. Yeah, exactly. Like they're yeah. like, she's amazing. Well, she's, she's going to cool. turn out to be a villain, but then they decided that she turned out to be such an awesome character enough. They wanted yeah. her to be part of the good guys. Yeah. Yeah, she's too badass. So, yeah. but they love her so much, and and they love Korra so much. The thing that I found really interesting is that then that uh, spoilers. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah. In the in the end, throughout the third season, the thing that that's the best is that she's always there for Korra. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. She's she's well, they're that, they're the one relationship in the whole show that's never uh, faltered or anything like that. Yeah, and she's and the other thing that I like 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 thematically is like she's always in frame with her. She's usually on closest to her and on her side. Like they're there for each other, which is really great and and really nice to see. But in the end. Mako and Bolin are 
over on the left mm-hmm. with um, Beifong and, and, and even like Tenzin's family. And Asami is the only like non-family member that's standing with Korra and her parents. Yeah, is she the one that's actually pushing Korra around? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. And and the very least, they definitely have the relationship of what's what's the British, the whole Batman, kind of like in the military, <laughs> like you'd have the your right hand man. You're, well, that's your right your right hand man. Or yeah, the, well, I, I know the like the relationship between uh, in the Lord of the Rings stuff. They talk about Frodo and what's his face. Oh, yeah, Sam. Yeah, that, that's supposed to be their relationship, because I know people yeah. are flung, like, oh, maybe, are they supposed to be lovers or something like that? Or it's supposed to be, like... don't want to think about Hobbit's fucking... Uh, it's, like, the worst. <laughs> but Hobbit holes are so tight in your eyes! <laughs> so this, that's how they introduced the first book, is... Oh, and it really is two paragraphs about how wonderful Hobbit holes are. Um, <laughs> so, but, yeah, no, I kind of, like, yeah, no, yeah, Sami... The one the weird thing about the ending of the season three is, where the hell is Katara? That kind of bummed me out, speaking about family and stuff like that, especially just... with Janora, you know, being her granddaughter and stuff. But yeah, no, I do like yeah. the fact that even at the end, Asami is the one who's closest there for, consistently yeah. for, uh, for, uh, there it's... to... It's it's with. it's really it's really beautiful. It's really it's yeah. really great, and it's nice to see that because you don't get to see that very often. I think uh, Annie and I have equated like all we want from life are, are I would like them to make out. I've been thinking about it for a really long time, but if I can't have that, I will take Leslie Nopin and Perkins. Yeah. Like I will take bestest bros that force each other to watch all the Harry Potter movies, even yeah. though. Oh god, now with that coming back for its last season too, I wonder if they're gonna bring back Ann Perkins for just for like the last episode. I don't know. I don't I don't think they have to. I don't know, yeah, that's the weird thing, because like she had such a perfect send-off, and that was funny thing, that was only just a couple like less than half a season ago. Yeah. In terms of the show, so it's not like, yeah, I didn't think about that. It's it's gonna be I don't think that they need it because I think that what they with the with what they did story wise in the end of that the the last um, the last uh, finale was so brave and so fucking interesting and really just allows them to reset everything and like just start from zero and have have a lot of fun without really having to worry about a lot of stuff because they've all all these things have happened three years have gone by also spoiler I don't care about spoiling things (laughs) I don't think most people listening to this are like listening and watching the same shit we are anyway so they're probably yeah yeah exactly so also it's like it's it's parks and recreation the plot doesn't matter so much as just the character relationships no but it's cute if you watch it as a comfort food and you go back and you you, I have watched parks and rec in in its entirety all the way through way more times than I can and even comfortable yeah it's like the level of amount of time that some people have like played fallout like it's a shameful <laughs> amount of rewatching. It's um, your comfort food. Yeah, it's my comfort food, and, um, and you can put it on, do dishes, whatever, and then they're friends and they're chatting. But when you when you've seen it all the way through, and then you go back, it's it's cute to see like the very first time that April meets Andy in the first season that she's even just around him. See, I've, ne- I've, ne- I've never gone back to see what that's like. Yeah, even though the first season is rough, like yeah, you 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 see that interaction, and you're like, oh, and and and. All the story threads that actually continue through are are very well, uh, very well done. So we're saying Korra and Asami are the new uh, Andy and April. Yeah, that's what I, I want them to other. be. I want them to be Andy and April. But what I'm probably going to get is them being Leslie and and, and Perkins. I just, I and... just imagine uh, Korra and Asami's house just being this wreck where, like, yeah, you're using frisbees instead of dinner plates. <laughs> <laughs> I think, 
I think Asabi's a little bit. A little I bit think a cor yeah, Asabi would have to put her that. foot down, but I can see kind of Korra living like that if she were left her own devices for long enough. And she just, for some reason, she decided she didn't want to be the Avatar anymore, and she just like, yeah, just eats nachos out of yeah. uh, of like an earth bending frisbee. Just delicious, delicious nachos. Yeah, she that kid. That kid's got some PTSD. That's all yeah! I think. It's, it's like, I I really want that to be, like, dealt with. I'm kind of curious because, I mean, they could jump, like, a year in the future. Maybe she's kind of dealt with it more. But I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering, with her being in that spot, like, how that's that leads in the next season. Yeah. I, I mean, is the whole next season going to be her deciding whether or not she even wants to be the Avatar anymore? Yeah. Like, and yeah, and, and there's been a lot like this entire. It feels like this entire series has been a lot about, um, uh, you know, the world changing, and the world doesn't really need an avatar in the same. Yeah. You know. Although and, there was some still basic plot, like the like the whole thing with the the spirits invading the world and like Republic City being taken over by by vines. Like, I love that. That's that. a basic thing that you think they would have spent more time on in season three. That, like, they address it, like, for the first five minutes of the first episode and then never gets addressed again. So I'm assuming that's gonna have to be addressed in some way in the fourth season. So, yes, I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's, it's... it's just I have a box full of story. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, with season three, well, that kind of lends credence to Annie's idea that they kind of, like, this is a course correction season where they kind of had, like, uh, like an idea where they were going, but once they started yeah. getting feedback, they just suddenly should, they should have shot off in a different direction that was more yeah. interesting to them. I will say, so. I love uh, season three had my favorite villains. Oh yeah, Zaheer and all those costumes, guys. I, as a unit, design, I, mean, I people were complaining unit, that Zaheer yeah. was kind of a cipher, that there wasn't much to him. But that was kind of the point of his character that he's just like dedicated to this religious thing. But yeah, his like, everyone else. He's in the a game, zealot. Yeah, he's a zealot, and, and he's surrounded by crazy people. And even who when have... he kisses the or the fire bending lady, you, you yeah. forget. Like I didn't realize she was supposed to be like eight feet tall. Yeah, she's supposed to be like a, practically a giant. Yeah, and, and like, like just like just the image of them kissing, where you never get to see that. Where like you know the dude's kind of the diminutive one, and she's yeah. the kind of big, tall, powerful one. I just thought that was just nice, as just so as good. a moment seeing them together yeah. like that. Yeah, the, their costuming, like how they're how how they present themselves and stuff like that, is so fantastic. Yeah. Like, I mean, so those villains good. were just as well-rounded as almost any of the main characters. You yeah. kind of you kind of feel like they were almost essentially the star of their own show that just happened to show up and be fighting the good guys. Yeah, I liked. I really liked Bolin and Mako being caught by them and <laughs> yeah, the and he's be... like he's like cool. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a pass for you. Yeah. And and he he does like names off three things and then it's the guy's like two out of three. Not yeah. Bad. Well, like even yeah, when they're kind of fighting at the end, when they're fighting that guy in the finale, it's still a little bit, you kind of wish they could kind of like make up and be friends rather than have to fight each other and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, could so, you not be crazy Yeah, exactly. like, trying yeah. to kill people? Yeah. No, that was, that was, it was just, it was a generally fun season to watch. I'm glad you guys got caught up on that. Oh, so good. And, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm shallow enough that, you know, I, I'm watching the entire thing just going, so many people in tank tops. Oh man, Cora at the end when she's just like just ripping oh. that place apart when she's all like she's got the one Damn. arm done up in chains like she's fucking Hellboy or something like yeah, that. And just yeah. like she just goes ape shit against Zaheer and they're just flying around. Just, like even at the very end when she like hits him with like grabs him with the chain and just drags him back down to earth and slams him down. So she's, good. She's a fucking beast. Even like when she's like jumping out of the chains where she's just like jumping like an ape. Yeah, just, I know. Like, I know. Yeah. And I loved. I loved that. I loved the animation on that. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Do you want this? Yeah, I just have to look up something. Sure. Right. You're lovely. What? Hey, we can start up the show soon if you yeah. want. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'll oh. let you get back to drawing your fan art, I guess. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, then I can you. get. We can start. 
Well, I can get back to drawing my fan art once the show's over. Yeah. That, what are you drawing? Uh, star, technically, Star Wars action figure fan art, but still fan art. Yeah. Very nice. Very yeah, nice. I wanted to draw... I'm going to have to do some kind of big Korasami thing once this whole series is over. Gotta do it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Man. It's my favorite. I'm glad yeah. you guys are having a good time with that stuff. Mm. All right, I'm going to go. Okay. All right. Good talking to you. Slush puppies? Yeah, kind of like, you know, like, um, it's just like Slurpees. Oh, off-brand Slurpees. Yeah, but with, it's the one, it's, it's the one with the dog in the hat rather than it's the polar bear. It's off-brand Slurpees. Yeah, do you like those? No, I call them off-brand Slurpees. I think that dismissiveness says a lot right so there. So Fred Myers was selling, like, essentially, like, you get, like, it's like Capri Sun, but you put it in the freezer and it becomes your homemade thing. Yeah. They no longer sell those. They do have them on Amazon. We can only buy them in, in bulk for fifty dollars for like a giant crate of them. I f I should buy some and then like give you some to justify you buying a whole crate of these Slurpees. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. You got we got to finish these before the summer is over. We have to justify drinking these things when it's hot outside. That's true. Uh, do you, would you like thirty of? These? No, Bill. <laughs> it's only diabetic. Bill, now I have a ticking time bomb of these Lego pieces I that are know. sitting okay, in my okay, old okay, house. Okay, yeah. So. Let's wrap this up, buddy. This I got be things to do. the quickest wrap up for the podcast ever. Yeah, did you uh, did you want to try to do the fall gaming preview? We can wait till. Oh, we can. We can kind of hit it real just, quick. Yeah, just, I, like, yeah, please know want... that I looked over those and I was like, wow, I have no interest in any of these except for Dragon well, Age. Well, I was kind of surprised so, because I was going through. Dragon Age um, let's see. We could do it. Just know that I have nothing to say about any of these things. Because I actually managed to. I didn't pre-order these, but I put them on an Amazon wish list. I was like, I was actually kind of surprised at the number of games coming out this fall. You know, we can just save it until next week, too. We don't have to worry about this week. Well, I, I'm just pointing out that we can do this, but know that I will have... The extent of my thing is like, yeah, I'll play Wasteland. Really? Sure, uh, Wait, so I'll what, watch we can even do play. this now. Okay, Wasteland, we don't care about. Uh, no, Disney no, Infinity. no. I, I have pre-ordered Wasteland. I did the Kickstarter for Wasteland. I'm engaged with that. That's something I care about, and I have nothing to say about it. So you don't care about, uh, like, Shadow of Mordor? People are, like, raving about that, or Alien Isolation? I may play it. Do you care about Alien Isolation? I may. I'm not. I don't like being scared. That's so fun. any sort of horror game, I'm not in on. How many copies of Bayonetta 2 you're gonna buy? Eight. Okay. Um, Call of Duty, Halo, yeah, Assassin's Creed. That's the only game of that uh, that that week you're gonna buy. Far. Are you gonna get Far Cry 4? No. Okay. I I, I can't play pay full. Excuse me. Pay full price for Gay Panic. In Far Cry 4. Yeah, there's Gay Villain. Panic in that game. What is his name? Pagan Pin or whatever it is. The protagonist. He's Gay Panic. Was, he's he's enough of Gay Panic that I'm like, nope. Okay. Now we just had our uh, 2014 full gaming preview. <laughs> it, it's mostly just Andy shaking her head, going, nope, nope. It's like it's almost I like the bulk of gaming culture is not something that I really engage with. Sorry. Meanwhile, I'm playing my pigeon dating sim, like the fake game gamer girl I am. I just so. love all your uh, completely context-free tweets on Twitter of just like, I'm gonna fuck that pigeon. <laughs> anyway, okay, alright. Okay, 
Okay, so we'll skip the gaming preview and just go straight into the news. Yeah. Okay. Hey, everybody, we're back, and now it's time for the Geek Week interview. A short version, because during the break, I looked up a package of Lego parts, like $40, no, not $40, $20 of Lego parts that I had shipped that arrived yesterday to an old address, so now i got to scarper them down to my old How house. How did I old address? Because this is like, it's not it's even like a three year old address. this long. It's it was it's still attached to my PayPal account. I think oh, it's still okay, technically that's what my happened. default okay. PayPal account address. So what are the Lego so pieces good. for? Uh, Foley is so Foley hasn't had a lot of experience with Lego. She's put together a few pretty complicated sets with instructions. Mm-hmm. Like she's done, I'd say maybe four or five now, but she hasn't done a whole lot of freestyle creation. So um, she she gave me the idea and did a prototype for my. Um, uh, snake oil salesman. Actually, it was a dear podcast listener nearby uh, suggested it, and then Foley did a first pass, and I did a second pass. So I was like, "Well, if you want to build something for Benton, what would you want to build?" And she wanted to do like a creek with like a little dock and everything. Yeah. So I got a bunch of parts to do like the creek bed and the river and everything like that, and they're currently sitting at an old address. So we got to book it, get my stuff. Uh, you can also, with a creek now, you can reenact the end of uh, Key Largo. <laughs> Which is my goal in all things, pretty much. Well, now you gotta, so, like, you're, like, so you're gonna get, like, you need, like, a Lego boat now. If you have a creek now, you're gonna have to have, like, a fishing hole, like, a Lego fish, Lego, like, a little... Well, I actually have fish, and I have a canoe. So oh, yeah, I'm okay. heading on that Oh, okay, one. okay, okay. Also, this is gonna be a creek. It ain't no river. No. We're gonna, a fishing hole will happen. You don't have a crack. You have to have like even like a little raft or a boat or a canoe or something like that. Foley's um, Foley's idea was that uh, the two um, uh, the two prisoners have to be hanging out by the fishing hole. So I'm I'm excited about her vision. So where you grew up in Texas was it Crick as opposed to Creek? No, it was Creeks, and we had a lot of Creeks. Like I spent a lot of my childhood tromping around in Creeks. And Pittsburgh was Cricks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay, that's, not either, that's not either. So Annie's just waiting uh, to get over with the podcast. As soon as, as soon as the podcast is over, she can run out and, and collect her Legos from the, from the wrong house they were delivered to. They're just sitting there. I gotta go get it before they send it back to the post office. Exactly, like, yeah. Hey. Do you know the people who are living in your old place? Nope. Oh, no. So no clue. This is how you get to meet them. You gotta go knock on a stranger's door. What did you do to this place? P.S. Give me my Lego. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. So, hey, everybody. Time for some Geek Week news. Uh, Joan Rivers passed this week. Uh, so, now we're going to have our 15-minute thing where we talk about our favorite Joan Rivers moments, despite the fact that she was most popular before either of us were really kind of born. I, I like when she best. said the thing that was mean but funny. Our generation knows her best as Dot Matrix from Spaceballs. She was in Spaceballs. That's wow. That's saying. Uh, something tells me she was not in the costume, but she did provide the voice. I forgot about that. Uh, there's a certain point in the film where she has I a... I totally forgot yeah, about that's that. That's That's, that's, most people our age are gonna know her from that. Um, yeah, Spaceballs. Man, it's making, it's getting harder and harder to have a decent Spaceballs reunion as time passes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, there's uh, a scene in Spaceballs where she's, uh, protecting the princess lady. And they're by a campfire, and Dot Matrix is asleep. And the princess lady is is about to make out with uh, the president from Independence Day, <laughs> and suddenly her this Lone alarm Star, goes off her chest, and it says virginity oh, yeah. alarm. Yeah, and I remember in the, when I saw that movie as in the theater when I was like twelve. I had to ask my mom like what a virgin was in the middle <laughs> of this crowded theater. 
I could beat that. When I was a little girl in San Antonio, Texas, we were driving around and I saw a billboard that was like a, a PSA sort of thing that was faux graffiti yeah. that said, virginity, teach them it's not, or no, virgin, teach them it's not a dirty word. Yeah. And I'm sitting here and I turn to mom, my mom and I go, mom, because my virgin was a world like priest yeah. that ascribed a holy person because I literally only ever heard virgin, about the Virgin oh, yeah. Mary and that was it. It's like, mom, why would the virgin, why would people have to say that Mary isn't a, like, is it like people saying Jesus Christ? Do we not want people to say Virgin Mary? Like, yeah. So, there know. we go. Me, me, me turning to my mom in an otherwise quiet theater saying, Mom, what's a virgin? <laughs> As what's a result of Joan Rivers in a robot costume in a Mel Brooks movie. I feel, I love that you and I were both way too young to be watching Spaceballs <laughs> when we first went. Because I think they remember thinking the same thing. I'm like, yeah. what? What does that mean? <laughs> Oh, dear Lord. A generation of people who learned about sex from Mel Brooks movies. Oh, God, no wonder we're all fucked up. (laughs) Anyway. Um, uh, Game of Thrones, Sirio Farrell, a.k.a. Arya's uh, dancing partner from season one, will be in the new Star Wars. Yeah, so obviously he's, you know, he's a good sword guy, so he's going to presumably be some kind of Jedi Knight or something in that movie, so. Yeah. Yeah, he was still one of the best characters on that whole goddamn show. Yeah. Sirio Farrell. It's funny because uh, uh, maybe a year or two ago I heard a podcast with him where he does not talk like that. He does not sound like a goddamn Super Mario brother. He's like some guy from Greece who just talks like us. He's like, yeah, um, they just wanted to, I like, I'm from like Brooklyn. They just made me, you know, I suddenly had to talk like Mario and they gave me a sword. And so I'm like, I'm Sirio Farrell. Now Bill, I teach you wait, the sword. Hold on. Are you telling me that an actor doing a performance did not use their real voice? Something tells me that he's going to have some kind of fucked up name in Star Wars, like Gifo Polbo or something. <laughs> Phil, everybody's gonna be Gifo Formo. It's <laughs> he Star may or may Wars. not have horns and a cloak. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Uh, that, that's still uh, kind of cool, though. You know, that guy played a great character. Speaking of Game of Thrones, no Hodor or Bran in next year's season of the show since they've run out of story from the books. Yeah, that's kind of alarming. I didn't realize they were that close to the end of the books already. I keep forgetting that because I've stopped watching Game of Thrones, so I'm not really aware of where they are, but yeah, they're out of story. Which does not bode well because even the last season of the show, all they did was walk in some snow and then stop walking in the snow. Yeah. It's not like anything that much happened. They ran, they, they, they met up with a tree, and the tree is like, I will show you the future next yep. season. Well, maybe yep. the season after next. Yep. Once once we figure out what this that's thing the is. Last, that's the last time we saw them in the books. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry, Bill. Let's hear more about the Desert Vipers for eight episodes. That's much more interesting. Man, next season, yeah, that might be the season where that Game of Thrones jumps the shark a little bit. Oof. Anyway, interesting um, conundrum. Bless, bless. Uh, Speaking of, oh yeah, I read that. Bits of the early test footage from Who Framed Roger Rabbit were posted to YouTube this week, with the Paul Rubens voiced and more simply designed Roger and a Jessica Rabbit that's essentially just Lauren Bacall with F cups. Uh, oh, I, I meant to actually make you watch this before we start recording this segment. Yeah, I'm curious about this because I've not read who framed or who censored Roger Rabbit, which is the book that um, uh, the movie is based on. But yeah. I have read who plugged. Wait, no, 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 no. the sequel one, book. One is one is who plugged Roger Rabbit, and one is who censored. Who Roger censored Rabbit. is the original one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and the second one is Who Plugged Red Rabbit, and the books are very different, so if it's even remotely totally closer is, to the books, Who Plugged Red Rabbit, is that a sequel to the book, the original book, or is that a sequel to the film? Book. 
Okay, so it's it's about comic strip characters as opposed to animated film characters and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. Well, it's early enough animation that they speak in word balloons. Yeah, and exactly. Shit. Well, I know the original. Like, what again? I've never read either book, but I've always heard that at least the first one was specifically about comic strip characters. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they speak I in word balloons. But yeah, there's a part in the second book where um, part of the evidence is that the detective takes one of the word balloons from the scene of crime and folds it up and sticks it in his pocket and like mm-hmm. tries to match the. Who, who figure out who said it? So yeah. But yeah. So anyway, on Cartoon Brew, they just uh, someone leaked just the original test footage, and it's, it's pretty much what I said. Yeah, it's Roger Rabbit that's voiced by Paul Rubens, and Jessica Rabbit is uh, instead of being in a slinky dress the whole time, she's dressed she's dressed kind of like a like a nineteen forties lady, and her face everything it really is just Lauren Bacall except with big tits, which yeah. I actually really prefer that character design compared to the what actually wound up in the finished film. Are you watching it now? No, no. Oh, okay. I was looking at Twitter. <laughs> I love you Still too. watching me visibly do that. No, but I'm just curious because uh, uh, Steve Wolford. Every anytime I see Steve Wolford pop up on my stream, what's he talking about like, now? Steve. Steve just tweeted, "Bears are all our hippos." <laughs> I don't really know what that means, but I'm on board. Steve. Wait, does he mean like bears is in like gay men? <laughs> I really don't him. know. Tweet him I back. Should. Steve, I we are talking about this tweet on Boy Howdy. <laughs> Explain. Well, he's living in Canada, so it makes sense that actual physical bears, like animal bears, would be his hippos. Um, his. He posted so, no, so, of like this little girl, like little, like uh, little uh, porcelain figure being attacked by geese, <laughs> where there's one on each chest, and she, and his, his only text accompanying this photo is my tits. "Quote unquote, my tits." It's just, I always think Steve is going through a phase where he's losing his mind, and I just realize he That's he Steve. just always exists in this weird twilight of just kind of being unhinged, but also just like fighting for his insanity. It's it's he's the I best. I love him. Steve oh my Wolford god, is he's, my he's genuinely one of the best human beings on earth. He and his he's wife are fantastic. Human. Anyway, um, so who was who was the who was the force behind the for this first run? Of... Uh, it's still the guy animating. You mean the Roger Rabbit stuff? Yeah, it's still Richard Williams who wound up directing the finished film. But uh, it's funny because the whole this whole eight minute short, he's talking to, I think it's John Calhoun, James Calhoun. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a known Disney uh, archive uh, history guy, archivist. He's actually the guy who wrote the Art of Disney book that I used to read a whole bunch of it as a kid, which had this uh, really prolonged preview of Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. So I think he was a, like an official Disney guy, and yeah, it's it seems like it like was like an in house promo film. That I don't mm. think was ever meant to be shown outside of uh, Disney itself, but yeah, no, it's it must have been. I don't know if Robert Zemeckis had been involved at that point. Uh, mm, they just yeah. have a very rough test. Uh, they, they have some basic uh, rough animation of Roger and uh, Jessica Rabbit doing stuff, and there's a very brief uh, bit of footage of Roger Rabbit walking across the like live action hallway at the studio where they're animating stuff, and that's mm. really all you see. But it's just I don't know. The char- like I said, the character designs are more interesting than anything else, but. Interesting. Yeah, imagine yeah, imagine if Jessica Rabbit, instead of being a weird doll faced monster, was yeah. actually just kinda of Lauren Bacall. More yeah. of an actual character rather than just a pair of tits. Like that would have been I don't know. Yeah. I I I think Roger Rabbit from a technical point of view is really interesting, but in terms of story and character, that movie is really it's I mean, it's it's like anything that's essentially a gimmick. It's hard to make something that is both a gimmick gimmick and meaningful. Yeah, they try to flesh it out, but like it's it's like, it was very important to me when I was a young person, and I don't think I've seen it in 
a decade and a half, and I'm probably okay with that. Well, I was watching Roger Rabbit on Blu-ray with a couple friends uh, like uh, earlier this summer, and I was kind of while watching, I was kind of wondering why what Roger Rabbit would never turned out to be more of a thing. The movie itself was popular, but I know that you know they came out with a series of Roger Rabbit cartoons afterwards. Yeah, but like it's interesting that Roger Rabbit really never became like the cartoon character of our generation. That's because Roger Rabbit, the character, is not the transcendental part of that movie. I know, but, like, they could have... Why... I don't know. I, I kind of wonder if Paul Rubens with maybe a different voice and a different personality could have been a more interesting character, but hmm. I don't know. Yeah, so... This is the generation of, like, the, 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 those are people who are waiting for Ninja Turtles, Bill. They weren't waking for, know, waiting know, for a Bugs Bunny rehash. Uh, if only uh, Roger Rabbit had started the Gummy Bears instead of Roger <laughs> Rabbit. <laughs> then problem solved. Yeah, no problem. Oh, um, Sony announced a new director for the Shadow of the Colossus movie. Now it's some random unknown horror director, though the movie is still being written by one of the guys who wrote Hannah. I didn't know that the Shadow of... Or maybe you mentioned it before, but I had forgotten that it was even a thing. Yeah, like, I think they first announced it, like, five years ago. And I think that was the last time they had actually even said anything about it, so... I bought the PS3 version of that and Ico. I need to go back and give them a I have that, too. Uh, it, it was worth me buying because Joshin actually really fell into uh, playing both of those. And so mm -hmm. even though I only played a couple minutes of both of the remastered version, I got to see Joshin play through a whole bunch of both. And so yeah. that was kind of worth seeing. Uh, On the big screen yeah. with surround sound and all that stuff. Yeah. No, I, I would like to go back and replay them, because I don't think Foley has... Foley hasn't seen Shadow of the Colossus, and I think she would really, really enjoy that game, yeah, just from a yeah. design and aesthetic perspective. She would the love music. the monsters and that thing. Yeah, the monster. Just the tone of that is so enjoyable. It's just... Good shit. Good shit. It was announced this week that... Or, excuse me, it was revealed this week that Chubby Checker wrote a Dig Dug Dance song for an Atari commercial 1982. Any song that works in the names Frygar and Puka can't be all that bad. Yeah, there are these backing vocals where it's like, oh no, it's Frygar and Puka. And every time I hear that, I just fucking die laughing. It's the best. I did not. I saw people talking about this. I did not. It really actually... is. Chubby Checker decided to write. Essentially, rewrote the twist. Except instead of the twist, now it's do the dig tug. Do, 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 do. It's very fucking hilarious. I can't find an MP3 of it anywhere online. So if it's not actually part of the inter uh, interstitial music on this week's podcast, you'll know why. But I yeah. definitely want to try to squeeze it in somewhere because it's a fucking hilarious little tune. Oh dear lord! Yeah, the, the fry guard puka. Well, it's on it's on SoundCloud. You should be able to download it. Uh, yeah, I tried to find a download link and I couldn't find it because I think SoundCloud sometimes they like they'll only offer downloads if it's like a like you know yeah if it's legal. yeah it's it's up to the uploader. so this is Bill complaining. I, I can't find a legal copy of this MP3 to put in our <laughs> illegally this put in wrong. our podcast. This is um, so wrong. But yeah, so that was um, kind of the week in review that there was that very quite weak. Which is, you know what this game this the last couple of weeks in gaming in particular have been so upsetting. And alarming, but I'm kind of okay with things being quiet. Yeah. I had uh, I had uh, went out to breakfast on Saturday morning with my wife, with our friend Carla who worked on Gone Home, with our friends Kelly and Josie who've been in the gaming industry for gosh over 15 years. Josie worked at, um, you know, worked at I Am Storm back in the day, and well, like more recently worked at um, 38 Studios, bless her, and Harmonix. And to now look for a new job. And then uh, we also all met up with Kirk Hamilton, who's an editor from uh, Kotaku, who now is in Portland. Town. He just moved to Portland recently. He's okay. a sweetheart, Bill. You actually should hang out with him. We should hang out with him sometime soon. Mm -hmm. But it's just really nice to kind of sit down with a bunch of gamers and just fucking talk about video games. Mm -hmm. 
Like, and not any of the not garbage. Not politics like, or anything like that, but just yeah, games. I mean, yeah, we, we, we touched on the politics, but at the end of the day, we just wanted to sit around and talk about Fallout. <laughs> we did, and it was wonderful. What was the consensus about what Fallout needs to be, or, like, what was the talk about Fallout? Fallout's great. Fallout's great. <laughs> Fallout's real good. <laughs> just caveman talk. I'm just like, Fallout, Man, everyone just nods. I really want to have Kelly and Josie on the podcast because they have collectively played, I'm going to guess, over a thousand hours of Fallout and Fallout New Vegas. Jesus Christ. They're By Fallout, amazing. you mean Fallout 3, right? Yeah, I mean, explicitly. They've, oh they've played God. both Fallout 1 and 2, but yeah. like Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, they've played. I still need to go like back because so I'm, I think I'm like 99.5 hours in Fallout uh, 3, and I, all I have to yeah. do is like hang out for an extra half hour and actually cross that 100 hour threshold. Oh man, I was so at like 300 hours in those games. How did you do that? Because I did most of everything you could do in Fallout, and I, no, I you did, did it in 100 hours. I played all the DLC. I guarantee you, you did not do most of the stuff you could do in Fallout if you only spent a hundred hours. I only got like maybe half the collectible head bottles and stuff, but yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't Whoa. even do that. I my big Whoa. thing was that if there's any uh every time a cursor on the horizon or thing in the horizon, I go explore it and I go find it and I go pick up everything and sell everything and do. I'm the whole still thing. convinced that we're gonna hear about Fallout Four sooner than later. I like I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about it at this year's uh, video game VGA awards. This because that's where they announced the Skyrim a couple yeah. years ago. And there's a- we know one thing. One thing that actually we were talking about this. One thing that Kirk pointed out was that the nice thing about Todd Howard, who's kind of the big, the big dude over at Bestsoft, yeah, is looks that- like a Rankin Bass character. He doesn't believe in a long, drawn-out tease. Like, they announced Skyrim, and a year later, you're playing Skyrim. Yeah. So, I think that when they announce Fallout 4, the nice thing will be, I bet you it will come out within a year. Yeah, it's because it's been mostly done, yeah. They're they're, they're only talking about it because they're like, okay, we're like 75% of the way through development, we can start Which I would much, God, I would much prefer to live in that world. What was the last thing they put out, the studio put out, that Todd Howard, was it, was it, because it wasn't Fallout New Vegas, was it... Oh, Skyrim. Was it Skyrim? Shit, that yeah. was like five years ago. It was about, uh, that was like about three or four years ago, four years ago. Yeah. All right, let's see. Skyrim. Type in Skyrim. Because I just, let me put it this way. I just loaded up, when I was sick, I loaded up Skyrim, and my last save was from two years ago. Let's see. So, Skyrim. and I think I was playing it so a year been, after oh, it came out. It's only out. been three years, actually. Yeah, so. Huh. It's, uh, you know, I, I Although, about. I mean, if they announce it this year, and then it's not until yet next year, that'll have been four years. Which, that yeah. sounds about right for... Um, man, that's the thing. Gaming PC. If I get a gaming PC, it would pretty much just be a Skyrim well, game you know, machine I, for the first year. One thing that got me really, really pumped. We've talked about longtime boy howdy listeners are tired of us talking about this, but Foley is for the first time like really pumped about the idea of getting a gaming PC because yeah. it would be nice just to be able to you know play in the living room and she can draw on work because we do play like as a family so much. Like, that's what we do. One of the reasons why we're not watching, we're watching so much TV lately is that there are no games out that we can play together. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we do instead of doing other stuff, is we play games together. And, uh, I like, I just, I, I need something. That's why I'm so excited about uh, fucking Dragon Age Inquisition, because that's going to be the next game that Foley and I can play together that we'll really sink our teeth into. Yeah. And as a note, I have to, before we go, I'll just leave the, you with this anecdote. I got to hang out with Jimmy and Conley last night. They're sweethearts. They went to PAX this year, and they brought me back a Firewatch postcard Aww. and the special editions of both Analog and Hate Story and Hate Plus. Bless them. Uh, but I was talking to them, and we were talking about their wedding. Their wedding is coming up in November. And then they're like, yeah, literally the day after our wedding, we're going to go on our honeymoon to Japan. And I looked at Conley, and I was like, you guys are going to be out of the country when Inquisition comes out? And Conley just looks at me, and she goes... No, I've got it all figured out. We're taking two weeks off for our wedding and our honeymoon, but we're coming back on the 
on like on the 16th. Yeah, they'll be back like two days before it comes out. And I'll have like and I'll have the game waiting for me, and then I'm gonna have some days off afterwards for work, and then I'm just gonna sit down and play the game. And, and she looked at, at at Jimmy and was like, "You need to get as much calmly time as you can during our wedding and our honeymoon because I'm going to be busy." But <laughs> well, yeah, she's lucky because they delayed the game by a couple of weeks, so it's not coming out until like yeah. November 18th. So yeah. it's gonna work out perfectly for her. Yeah, exactly. And I love the fact that yeah, Conley and Jimmy they're getting married on November 7th, which is N7. You know, it's fall. It's 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 Mass Effect Day. And I saw yeah the the uh, the on the invites for the wedding that they're sending out has decorative little bits at the bottom of the invite, which is actually the, the Mass Effect relays. Yeah. Which is, it's, I that it's really classic, good. So. Uh, I got to see the cover of their invitation. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, it's pretty amazing. So, anyway, cool. friends, this was the Boy Howdy Podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening to our, our rambling and gibbering about friends that are important to us <laughs> exactly, and yeah. things that matter to us. Uh, as always, we're BoyHowdyPodcast.com, at BoyHowdyPodcast on Twitter, Howdy at BoyHowdyPodcast.com um, uh, is the way to email us if you're so inclined. We'll be back next week to talk about more pop culture detritus. I'll see you guys on Mars and Earth and the Moon for Destiny this week. That's right. Yeah, if you're a Destorino, make sure that you're destined to hang out with Bill Mudrin. Uh, Bill, what's your PlayStation 4 handle? Uh, I think it's Mr. Mr. AIDS. Yeah. I think it's all worn over. You'll find me out there, yeah. It's, it's also on boy at boyhattypodcast.com. We have uh, uh, on our About Us pages, I think we have a link to Bill's profile. Andy, so. you have no plans to play Destiny anytime soon? I will get Destiny. We have, in the near future, we have uh, Hannah Groff visiting. Okay. We have Maxwell Motley visiting. And then I have my parents visiting. I have guests. I'm playing a host for the next pretty much month. Oh, are and you going to Rose City Comic Con? To play video games. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to Rose City. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Also coming up, Bill will be tabling at Rose City Comic Con. I'll I have do the no show idea what we're going to be bringing because I like I have to reprint stuff, and I have no idea if I'm going to have time to reprint stuff. Oh, bless your heart. Uh, but... Also, I was going to exhibit at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, but it turns out I was two days late to grab a table. Oh no! I was waiting on a paycheck, and I knew early day registration for the Portland Gaming Expo was like September second. And so on September 1st, I was like, okay, I got to get that early bird table. And I went to their site, and they're like, we just finally sold out our last table. I was like, ah! Bill, could, would they let you pay with a credit card? Because that would have been, like, the perfect example of using a credit card. To uh, pay I didn't even think something. about that, actually. Yeah. Well, oh, at well. least I'll be going this year, but yeah, yeah. I guess I won't be exhibiting next year. You can get the lay year. of the land. So, what's that? Yeah. Did you, you say something the about Lego the land? land? No, you'll get the lay of the land. Oh, speaking of Lego and the Rose City Comic Con, I've already <laughs> scouted out the three tables at Rose City that are selling Lego stuff. So, I'm Oh, really? About like, what kind of Lego stuff? There's one company that, I can't remember their name, they do really high-quality minifigs that are, like, they have a whole range that's, like, Game of Thrones fit characters, and they have one oh, that's really? Breaking Bad characters. They're going to be there. Oh, shit. Um... There's a bricks and minifigs is actually gonna have a table there. Oh, super cool. Okay. And there's a third Lego company that like Lego aftermarket company that I can't remember. Oh man. Well, you know me and Mike Russell, we're gonna have a corner booth there, so we're gonna have two tables and four chairs. So yeah, Andy, if you want a parking spot, yeah, your sweetheart, Bill, I have a place to stash my Lego. Yeah, that's what I'm saying exactly. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll finally shut up now. All right, friends. We'll talk to y'all next week. Okay. Merry Christmas, guys.
score gets higher, they multiply.